Welcome to the Pepperell Baptist Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to make disciples of the Lord Jesus among all ages and in all places. So take out your Bible and a pen, and let's jump into the Word together once again. So if you got a copy of the Bible tonight, I hope that you do, turn with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 6 tonight, talking about a better builder. Let's read it together, then uh, unpack it together. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all God's household. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household, as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household. And we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. As I read this passage, I I realized, or at least it occurred to me, how important it is from time to time to remind ourselves of the context of Hebrews, of why Hebrews was written. Because we may read this at first and think, Well, it has something to do with Moses and something to do with Jesus, and how is that applicable to me? Uh, So I realize that it it may sound like a strange passage at first, but I assure you it is very much applicable to our lives today. But I wanted to start tonight, as you see on your notes, by just explaining the purpose of this passage in general. It's been a few weeks since we mentioned the context, and I just think it's always very helpful to remind ourselves of periodic times of that. And so... Why is the preacher of Hebrews, just a general question, why is he comparing Moses and Jesus? Why does he find it necessary to make this comparison? Well, I've got it here, but just to remind you that the purpose of Hebrews was to demonstrate to a Jewish congregation that Jesus is superior. It was to remind this congregation of Jewish believers, Jewish Christians, that even in the midst of their persecution... They should not turn back to Judaism. They shouldn't abandon ship. They should stay true to their commitment to Christ and to His church. They should stay true in their newfound faith. They shouldn't turn away from this. Because Jesus is superior in all aspects, in everything that He provides for us as His people. Jesus is better infinitely through and through And what better persuasion, if you're writing to a group of Jewish Christians, what better way to persuade them than to show that Jesus is greater than Moses? Because remember who Moses was, is specifically to a Jewish congregation. Very revered, very honored. In some ways, he was the building block of the Old Testament religion. Moses was the man whom God used to bring the people out from Egyptian slavery. Moses was the man God used to communicate the covenant to his people. Moses was the man 
whom God brought up to the top of Mount Sinai and made Himself known in a glorious way through fire and thunder, gave Him the Ten Commandments, gave Him the Levitical Law, gave Him the Torah, the, the Law itself, everything which instructed, guided, and led the Old Testament people. Everything they knew really was communicated to them predominantly through Moses. And just so you know, everything that the later prophets said, there's a lot of connections between the later half of the Old Testament and what Moses says in the beginning. Moses was an instrumental character for the Jewish people. And so for the author to make the point that Jesus in the faith, the salvation he provides is infinitely better than anything you've ever experienced under the Old Covenant, what better way to do that than to say, the building block, the cornerstone of our faith is infinitely superior to anything Moses communicated or anything that Moses said or anything Moses did or anything that was done through Moses. And so he's communicating this to persuade them to stay true to their commitment to Jesus and, to, and true to the church even in the midst of great persecution, even in the midst of hostility, even in the midst of great temptation to turn Away. And so he's comparing in this passage Moses and Jesus. Well, what specifically is being compared between Moses and Jesus? If he's making this comparison, what's being compared about them? And I, I want to say, I mentioned this the first week we were studying Hebrews. In all this talk about Jesus being better, we do need to remember that the author never makes the argument that the Old Testament was bad, per se. And so in showing that Jesus is superior... We don't need to make the mistake of thinking that he begins to trash talk Moses because he doesn't. He really he doesn't say anything bad about Moses. It's just the fact that Jesus is better than Moses. And I always want to remind us of that as we go through this. So what specifically is being compared between Moses and Jesus? We look at this passage, we really get the sense that it's the roles that they possess in God's house, the roles that they possess amongst God's people, which I think is probably expressed by this statement when he calls Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now we've already seen Jesus be referred to as the high priest, the great high priest, earlier in the book of Hebrews, and we'll see it many more times before we finish this book. But I learned something today. Did you realize this is the only place in the New Testament where Jesus is identified as the apostle of our confession? You don't find it anywhere else in the New Testament. It's a very unique thing with the author here of Hebrews is saying. And it really forces you to get back to the understanding of what an apostle is. Of course, we know about the 12 apostles. But generally, what is an apostle? Well, the Greek word is apostolin or apostello. It simply means sent one, one who is sent. We might also say a messenger. There's also a lot of comparisons between the old Hebrew word for angel as well, which was also a messenger. An apostle is this idea of someone who has been sent, someone who's been authorized to speak a message on behalf of someone else. We might very well think of an ambassador for a king. And when he says that Jesus is the apostle of our confession, what he's saying is, is that Jesus is the primary messenger. He's the central messenger. He's the communicator. He reveals all that there is to be known about this new relationship with God that he provides for us. And we've already said that Moses was that for the Old Testament people, right? On top of Mount Sinai, getting the law, communicating to them how they should worship. I've been reading through Leviticus. That's where I'm at right now in my reading. Let me talk about some tough ground to go through. 
Uh, I've been I've been struggling early in the mornings, kind of saying, Lord, wake me up. I'm getting a little sleepy reading through this. But all through that, God is guiding them and leading them and, and teaching them how they are to worship Him, how they are to draw near to Him. And if you ever wonder how important that was, I just read this morning how Nadab, Nadab and Abihu, uh, the sons of Aaron, were burned up because they offered strange fire before the presence of the Lord. It was very important. And the Old Testament makes that point over and over again. Moses was the one who communicated this. So he was, in some ways, revealing the Old Testament covenant to them. <coughs> Jesus, what the Hebrews preacher is saying here, is revealing the New Testament covenant to us. He's the messenger to us. And that is so important in seeing this passage. Because one of the primary points that he's making, not just here, but in the larger section we've been studying, is that Jesus is a better voice. Jesus is a better revelation. Jesus gives us a better message. It's a superior message. And we need to keep that in the forefront of our minds. So he's, he's comparing the roles that Jesus and Moses played, and then he's making the point that Jesus is greater in his role, in his messenger role, in his apostolic revelation, if we want to call it that. In making known the new covenant, Jesus is greater. Well, how does he show Jesus to be superior to Moses in this passage? How explicitly does he make that point? Well, look with me at verses 3 and 4. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now, every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. He's making a very plain illustration here. Jesus is greater than Moses in the same way that the builder of a house is greater than the house itself. And sometimes we lose perspective of that, right? We see a great building. You see a great structure. You see a great home, a great castle or whatever. And you think, wow, this is a beautiful thing. But behind every great castle was an even greater mind, was an even greater architect, was someone that understood the fine measurements, the dimensions. I mean, I can't hang a picture frame on a wall, but there's some brilliant people out there. Just as a builder has more honor than the house does itself, Jesus has more honor than Moses. Well, what's he getting it because then he says in verse 4 and the builder of all things is God so what's the point that he's making how is it that Jesus is superior to Moses we know this but what point is he making here is it not that he's pointing to Jesus's divine nature is it not that he's pointing back as he's already said in Hebrews 1 2 we remember this in these last days he has spoken to us by his son God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him? Is there not this echo back to Jesus is the creator? Jesus is the son of God through whom creation was made? The builder of all things is God. He's pointing to Jesus and saying, here is God's son, the one through whom creation was made, the one who has the creative power, the one who's been worked through to make creation this is him. He's the son of God. He's infinitely better than Moses. Again, we are reminded of this connection 
between the supremacy of Jesus, the betterness of Jesus, and the betterness of the message that he gives. Jesus is a better messenger. Therefore, the conclusion is is that his message is better. And to turn away from that is incredibly dangerous. And we've already seen this argument, but we need to make it again. In Hebrews chapter 2, we saw the whole point that Jesus is better than angels. Y'all remember this about the drifting? Jesus is better than angels. But if the message that was delivered by angels received a just retribution for every transgression and every disobedience, if the lesser message received punishment for every disobedience, wouldn't you think that the greater message would receive a greater punishment for every act of disobedience? The same argument will be made here as we go forward in chapter 3 of Hebrews where he begins to point to that wilderness generation in verses 7 through 12 who turned away when God brought them to the promised land. But we'll get there. But I just want to point out that we're reminded of this connection between Jesus being better and the betterness of his message. Verses 5 through 6 highlight why Moses is inferior to Jesus. I'll read this passage again. Verses 5 through 6 or the first sentence of verse 6. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household. Again, so I've said that the comparison he's making is between the different roles here. And you see that clearly, I think, in this passage. He describes Moses as a what? Servant. With what preposition? In. He's a servant in God's house. How does he describe Jesus? As a son over God's house. There's a very vivid difference here. Moses is a brick among many other bricks. But Jesus is the builder of all things. Jesus is over. He is in charge. He is the ruler. He is the head. He is the king. Moses was a servant. Jesus is the son. Moses was a servant in. Jesus is the son over God's house. And then to top it all off, he makes the point that everything about Moses, he was was pointing forward to Jesus. Look at the end of verse 5 there. As a test, Moses was a faithful as a servant in all God's household, as a testimony or as a witness to what would be said in the future. What would be said in the future? We've already read it. In these last days, God has spoken to us through His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, and through Him all creation was made. Hebrews 1-2. Jesus has spoken to us through His Son. What He was speaking through Moses was not in, in, in opposition to Jesus. Everything that was said through Moses was pointing forward to the day when Jesus would arrive on the scene. I just want to tell you, brothers and sisters, if you really want to learn your Bible, you need to see this overarching story that begins in Genesis and ends in Revelation. The Bible is a unified book. Amen. It's not 66 different stories. It's 66 chapters in all the same story. There's an implicit connection here. Everything that Moses says is pointing forward to what Jesus will do. Therefore, Moses is inferior to Jesus. Jesus is greater than... Then Moses, and the message he brings is greater than the message Moses spoke. So how can we apply this? I think that's what the text is saying. That's the point, and hopefully you see that with me. But 
how is this? You, you feel my struggle, right? Like, how do we apply this that was being spoken to a Jewish congregation in a very specific circumstance? Well, that's why I love verses 1 and 6 here. Let me read verse 1 and then verse 6. There's a connection here, and I'll try to help you see this. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling. He's talking, that's not just to them, that's also to us, right? We're holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly call. Holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. That, That word consider, you could really define that, you could translate it literally as this. Take a good, long, hard look at Jesus. Get a real good picture of what Jesus looks like as revealed through the Word of God. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Look at verse 6. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household, and we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. So if I've told you that the purpose of this passage is that he's trying to convince them, trying to persuade them, that to turn away from Jesus is silliness. It's the pinnacle of foolishness because Jesus is greater in all aspects and the salvation he provides is better in every way you can think about. He's infinitely greater. Don't turn away from him. And he's saying, consider Jesus. And he's saying, as you consider him, plant your feet like concrete and don't turn from him. And I thought, well, how can I, how can I illustrate this? Well, my Paul turned 80 today. I called him, talked to him on the phone. He was, he was very happy. He would talk to me all day long. Uh, I love him. Turned 80 today. And, and here's my, my papa's favorite thing to do. We got a birthday party with him this weekend. I'm going to go celebrate with him uh, on Friday afternoon. And I, I can already tell you, he's going to do this. He does this every, <laughs> every year. He loves to show us old pictures and try to trick us. You know what I mean? Like He loves to show me pictures of him when he was my age. And, and, I mean, he's done it so many times now that I always know the answer. Yes, I know, Papa, this is you. <laughs> but, but he wants me to, to play this guessing game. Well, who is this? And he loves to say this. He's been saying it for years. Well, just take a good, long, hard look. Just, just look. Look real close. Can't you tell who that is? And as a little kid, I would do that. I'd take, okay, okay. Look, look, and you know, look back at him. Look here. Look at my dad. Dad's going, you know, <laughs> look over here, look over there. And they're like, oh, wait, 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 I see something. I see some resentment. And, I, and I'm looking and looking. And I, as I look closer, I get a clearer understanding that this is who, it's Papa. And, and so you, the more you look, the closer you look, the more you inspect it, you get a clearer picture. And the answer just becomes so clear. And I would tell you that in this troubling world, where there are so many different things that try to take you off, that try to rock your faith, that try to rock your boat, that try to turn your head this way. In this crazy mixed up world where trials and tough times and hard seasons come over us all the time, and it just seems like constantly the world's just trying to do this, but God's telling you to do this, and it's just doing this, and God's saying, look back here. In this world, that's like a tug-of-war match sometimes for the believer. I just would love to remind you to take a good, long, hard look at Jesus. The betterness of everything that He does and says. Everything that we see Him. And here's the picture. Here's the point. The clearer you see Jesus, 
the deeper you will dig your heels in. He, he keeps trying to make this point throughout the Bible that uh, if you were to pick, pick your criteria, but you need to evaluate whether to serve God, Jehovah, or somebody else. Because if you bother to, to take a hard look, it will become very clear. The, the danger is in failing to take the look. Absolutely. All the more reason for the encouragement, right? All the more reason for these repeated exhortations time and time again. You've got too many people out there not bothering to look. Absolutely. We have to look, consider, take a good, long, hard look at Jesus. And the clearer you see Him, the deeper your heels dig in. No matter what storm, no matter what trial, no matter what temptation, no matter what trouble, doesn't matter. Because when you see Jesus is better, everything else suddenly seems inferior. Let me pray for us, and Brother Scott's going to lead us in a wonderful hymn, Face to Face, uh, very fitting for this evening. Father, thank you for our time here this evening. Lord, I pray we would hear this call, this exhortation to see you clearly. To keep our heads straight in this windy world that tries to push us to and fro. Lord, as I sat outside and watched the trees this afternoon blowing back and forth, I, I couldn't help but think of this passage and, and how that's like our hearts in this world. It's just blowing us. The wind is just blowing us and we're just going to and fro, waving back and forth. Lord, make us sturdy. Give us a clear picture of you. Keep our hearts sincerely focused on you. Help us to see you more clearly so we will dig our heels in. Trusting you to bring us to whatever adversity comes before us. Lord, as we sing this hymn, remind us of the great truth that one day we will see you face to face. And every mystery will make perfect sense. Every heartache will find a wonderful resolution of peace. Every wrong will be made right. Every tear will be wiped away. And joy eternal will be ours in your forever presence. Remind our hearts of this great truth as we sing in response to your word. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Brother yes. Scott. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to catch our sermon series of the Gospel of Mark on Sundays at 11 a.m either at the church campus or on our Facebook live stream at Pepperell Baptist Church online. Have a great week. Blessings.